0: But we're, we're in this series that we've been in, and the series is about our values. And maybe you've heard that language, and you're familiar with values at work or values in your home. Uh, some people you visit their house, and they have a plaque of these are the things we believe in in this home, or whatever like that. Uh, there's all these ways that we process values, but you might not know this. But churches also have things that become kind of markers and values for churches, things that help us to remember that God is calling us to be a particular kind of church in this time. Some of those values for us are ways that we understand that God's calling us to be different and to be a church that the world needs, not just to be the kind of church that we want. I always find this temptation in my life. When I go anywhere, I go there, and I'm the first person I think about. How is this going to help me? How is this restaurant going to be about what I like? How is this school going to be best for my kids? My, 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 my. That's just a natural pattern. But part of what we learn is as we follow Jesus, he calls us for the sake of others. And we also learn that being the church means that we become the church that the world needs, not just the kind of church that we like for our kids, for our family. And by the way, we do want to be that as well. But we're learning to say, God, stretch us to be the kind of church that the next generation is going to need. That those who don't believe will see Jesus in a new way because we are here worshiping him and learning about him. So if you haven't been with us, maybe you want to go back, and those online already know this, that on YouTube we have weeks one to weeks three already, and this morning we're looking at value number four. To talk about value number four, I want to show you this plaque that I have. I hid it over here, coming right back, online people. It did not disappear. It's not a magic trick. All right. Hey, everyone, uh, that uh, in my office, at, at home where I study, sometimes here at the church, but at home, I have this plaque, and I see it very often, I have it up on my desk, and it reminded me lots about this series and how impactful it is for me. Uh, this represents a time when I worked, at, I was a pastor in Ontario, and I used to be helping uh, on the board of an organization called Habitat for Humanity, actually see the image, uh, Is How many of you have heard of this organization before? Habitat? Yeah, it's a phenomenal organization around the world, founded by a Christian leader, very sacrificial, selling tons of his just things that he had and giving up his money to start this organization. And I had a chance to be on their board at one point, and I was called the faith director on this board. And what a faith director was called to do on this board was encourage people of other faiths, Christian and other, to maybe get together in one time a year, build a house build a house, and then gift that house to a family in need, a family that was struggling, or a family that just needed help to get into their first home. We don't have that problem today, wink, wink, Uh, but just those kinds of challenges. And I remember that one of the things that made certain people in the church where I, I was pastoring very uncomfortable is that this kind of role required that I interact with Muslim leaders and Buddhist leaders and people of faith in the Sikh community or all kinds of other faith communities that were not Christian. And we kind of encouraged working on this project to help the poor, even though we did what? Well, even though we disagreed on certain beliefs. And I'll never forget when I shared this with the church that some people in the church at the time, they weren't as amazing as all of you, but if you're watching, kidding, uh, they, they felt uncomfortable. And one family met with me, and they were very uncomfortable that we would do this, that we would interact with people who don't believe what we believe, and even maybe be part of a project with people who don't believe what we believe. Maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel the anxiety of that. It's like, oh, there's so many things, and if I'm close to somebody, they might infect me with their teaching, whatever that is. And I remember how important it was that we wanted to model that we could be with others and even learn about other religious communities, even though we disagreed with them. Now, that family and I, you know, we worked on the conversation. I'm not sure, you know, if we resolved it, but you might feel this. This is a particular value. And it's a value that sometimes you hold on to that other people, if they hear it, they're either going to be like, I never thought of that, or they're like, that bothers me, and I'm uncomfortable. Think about your own life when a value that you have and a value that someone else has kind of conflicts. You feel the tension of that. And what does it mean that we're called to be people who have values, but yet model a different way we interact with people we disagree with? What might that look like? The value that we're looking at today is about that kind of idea. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, maybe you remember some of the values. I asked this in the nine o'clock service. I'm just curious, just to give me a gauge on which service of ours is smarter. Uh, so we're gonna see, you like it's us. Some of you are like, it's not us, it's the nine o'clock for sure, all right. But how many of you remember last week's value if you were here? Just curious, you remember last week's value? How many of you remember more than just last week, the value before? As some of you do, yeah, last service, very few. Obviously, some of you, you're new here. We understand you don't know, remember them, but one of the things I want to do this morning as we begin, I want to just connect last week's value, which was that we're committed to developing discerning disciples who follow Jesus in a discerning way in our world, and I want to show you a passage in the Bible that links the idea of being a disciple, not just someone who says you believe in God, not just someone who says I'm a Christian sometimes, but I'm really learning in the way of Jesus. That word is a Disciple. And the idea of teaching in a new way. Because this morning's value is what does it mean that we're committed to teach about Jesus, not just tell people about Jesus? And it's such a big difference. It's a totally different posture when you're committed to teaching someone and exploring and walking with somebody who has questions versus being someone who just tells people what to believe. And let me tell you, this is one thing that will not change in our world. What won't change is nobody you meet will love to be told what to do. If you don't believe me, just remember the last time you liked that. You might listen to someone. If they're your boss, you might even pretend you're happy that they're talking to you. And you'll do what they said for like a week. But when you get a chance, you're gossiping about them and being like, I can't wait to get out of here. It's so annoying, right? Telling comes across in a very confrontational way, top down way, where teaching is a conversation and a journey to walk with somebody. And as a church, we're committed that we would be the kind of place that is about teaching, not just telling. And what are the, the, what's the meaning of that? How do you do that? How do you create space for that? How do you make sure that it's safe for people, for the next generation to ask questions, and for us to say, that's a great question. Like, that's a, that's a great thing that you're thinking about that. Like, let's talk about this more, that we're committed to that, to that kind of value. Now, if you don't like that idea at all, you're going to hate our church, so we're going to miss you, but... Uh, the commitment of this series is to help you not only say, oh no, I like that value, but to grow as a person who embodies that value. That you would say, no, I want to do that in my own life. I want to learn how to be someone who does this and who models this because Jesus seemed to always do this. Let me read for you a passage at the end of Matthew's gospel and it it links together the idea of discipleship and the idea of teaching. And And you might see them right away, but I'll read it for you and you'll see it on the screen. It says, therefore, go and make what? Disciples, last week's value, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and telling, no, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a beautiful promise that Jesus gives us. No matter what you face this week, no matter what you're going to face that's unknown in the next few weeks, Jesus is with us till the very end of the age. That he's here by the power of his spirit with us helping us to be those people who do what? Who do what the passage says. Not just to be successful, not just to have a great marriage, not just to have our kids that listen to us, no, no, not just to do those things, but to be those who experience his power as we make disciples and teach people to obey Jesus. As we do that. I know a lot of people who want Jesus in their life but they don't want to do any of that. They want Jesus in their life because it's better for them and it's better for, you know, all the things that they're doing. But when it comes to saying, no, no, are you committed to the ways of Jesus for the sake of other people? They're like, I don't know about that. That's a lot of work. I'm not into that. Whatever. Well, as you read the Bible, you know that Jesus calls us to this place, to this deeper place. Now, as we begin, I want to do something that would just help us get all on the same page because this always comes up. Uh, in conversations. I've been a pastor for many years, and uh, for a few years, I was on a university campus, or I was with youth and working with young people, and I remember constantly hearing this phrase that people would say, Pastor Dom, like, I'm not a teacher. Like, I'm not good at teaching. I get nervous when people ask me questions, and if I don't know them, I'm like, oh, you know, let's go to the church, or let's go ask someone else. So it's very normal to hear the word teach and think, oh my goodness, like I'm not going to be able to do this, okay? So everybody take a deep breath. Everybody relax. And I want to just give you kind of just a, a, a more, like a deeper understanding of the way the Bible invites us to think about teaching, okay? And, and I want you to maybe not think about right away that you have to become like a specialist in like teaching complicated doctrines and there's room for that. But you don't have to feel that pressure right away. So let me just show you very quickly three important ways that the Bible just introduces this idea of teaching to us. One is that all of us are called to teach out of our own story and our own journey with Jesus. This is very simple to understand. That there's something about teaching that flows out of your personal story and the things that God has been doing in your life. That's very different than my life. The way I learned about God and the way I kind of started to work out my faith was a messy thing between Catholic family, uh, Pentecostal family, and all the messy stuff in between. That's my story. And if you want to know more about that, you know, we could talk. But you have a story. And you have a season. And maybe your story hasn't even got to Jesus yet. Maybe your story is kind of stuck in the middle. And you're thinking, religion, I'm not into that. I don't even like Christians or the Bible. Somebody tricked you to be here or watch online. We're sorry. But, you know, our our goal is to understand that all of us have the gift of being able to teach something out of our story. As a parent, remember this. For, for parents, this is one of the most beautiful things you do as you begin to help your kids understand how much Jesus loves them. A mom and a dad, sometimes a grandparent or an aunt or uncle are the first ones to kind of begin to remind uh, a young person that you know, when they make a mistake, it's not the end. When they struggle, they're not alone, and all of those beautiful things. So that's a teaching category in the Bible. That's for who? Ev- everyone, okay? Pretty easy. It's for all. All of us can do that. Now, the next one gets a little bit trickier. The next one is for some people. Not everyone has to do this, but it's for some people that over time, in our context of our church, you'll have as an elder or a Bible teacher or someone that is recognized and has done some work that they can teach more than just their story. They can teach the Bible in a deeper way. And that's beautiful. And some of you are in this room and you're learning that or you feel like, maybe I need to grow in that. Maybe God's helping me to learn that. We help people as they sense that to recognize that, or sometimes to say to them, you know what, you have, it's really nice that you want to do that, but it's not for you. You know, and that's the way the church is sometimes. We're honest and value number one. You'll get it if you remember it. Uh, but value, the, the, third, the third part is the, the trickiest one, and that's just fewer people do the last one. And when people think of teaching, they automatically think of that one. The teacher is the person who's maybe gifted, he's the pastor, he went to university for many years, only they know how to read the Bible, and if you don't do that, you can't do anything. And that's just not a healthy way moving forward. One of the things we have to learn is that at every place in our life, in every corner that God has placed us, we have to be ready to model a posture of just teaching a little bit about where we're at and where God is taking us, and how we're learning, and maybe the mistake we made, and how God was with us in that moment, in a very simple way. Now, one day God's going to ask me in my particular story if I did the last one, because at some point I grew at a place and I sensed God's calling to be a pastor, and studied, and I maybe fall in that category in a particular way, but God's not going to ask you if you were me. He's going to ask you if you were you. And if you lived out of the gifts and the place and the story that he gave you so that other people would understand that there's a God that loves them. Now, I think in in the book of James, it's one of the books in the New Testament, there's this great passage, and I read it often, you should know this, and I share it with anybody who preaches at our church, and this is what it says, that not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Just when you thought everybody was equal, you just read this. That I feel the responsibility in our elders, and all of you should know that I feel this responsibility when I teach here. When I teach the Bible, and I invite you to say yes to Jesus. And even over the summer, we had a young person in our church just preparing to teach. And I remember emailing them this passage and saying, hey, remember, when you step into this place of teaching, it comes with a different weight of responsibility. But however you think about teaching, can I just remind you that God will ask you one day, did you help someone begin to step into a closer relationship with me, and if you ever tell them things, it would probably repel them. Many people in our culture, they think about the story of Christianity, they think of someone maybe just telling them what they had to believe, telling them what to do, telling them what they can't do, and after a while, like Christianity becomes like about rules, and these are the things you can do, these are the things you can't, and you're almost like anxious. You're like, I don't even know. Am I I doing the right thing? I remember growing up in a context a little bit that way where it was always kind of nervous, and somebody was always telling us stuff, and we weren't sure, and if we asked a question, it was like, you asked a question about what, that? You don't believe that? I was like, okay, no, I have no questions. I'm good, I'm good. Just this concern that there was no space to be like, I'm kind of a little bit confused about this. And it was a space where telling became the dominant way that I even learned how to be a Christian. Not only do you say yes to whatever that person said, but then you become a person that tells other people what they need to believe. And it creates this strange cycle rather than an image of what it means to be a space where people are learning and it's safe. and So this value of teaching, not just telling, has a secret kind of mystery to it, and that's that it's safe to say you don't know. It's safe to say that I'm still growing in this. It's safe enough to say that I don't have a Bible and I'm not really sure I know how to read it. It's okay. We think about this value for our church at every place of the church, and we want to practice it. That's why we have our home group. That's why we have Alpha. These are these wonderful midweek moments for some of you who are ready, and some of you are not ready, but you should sign up anyway. (laughs) To sign up and to be in a place where you can hear others ask a question and listen. And let me tell you, many times, many people that I meet who've been Christians for the longest time are always, always committed to telling someone something, but rarely committed to stopping to listen to questions people might have, the struggles that they might have. This is a strange thing because let me tell you, if you're just about telling, you never have to listen. You never have to listen. You don't even have to be awkward when somebody asks a question that you don't know the answer to. You'd be like, let me just start talking right away just in case they talk. Telling never teaches us to be those who listen with a heart that's tuned to God just opening up a moment of conversation, a step for people to slowly find their way. I was saying this in the earlier service when I think about how easy my job would be if I could just tell you things. Oh my gosh, this would be the best job ever. Just going to tell you what you're going to do this week. You're going to do it. And if you don't do it, I'm going to tell you what happens to you when you die next week. And I'm going to have a graph up here. I'm just going to tell you. You would all be like, it's nice at this church, but I don't know. It feels different there, right? You wouldn't say you're leaving, but you'd leave. Because nobody likes to just be told things constantly. We actually want to feel like it's kind of okay to grow and to learn and to be taught along the way. Alpha is one of those important programs, one of those important spaces we offer you. If you've never been to Alpha, and especially if you've never been a Christian or are just exploring Christianity, please sign up for Alpha. But let me tell you a secret. Alpha is not just for those who are struggling to understand Christianity or have questions about Christianity. I've always believed that Alpha is a place to teach Christians who've been Christians for a long time to learn to listen. Just shut your mouth. We, they don't say that in the Alpha videos. That's my version, but <laughs> we're going to get a lawsuit. Dear Pastor Dom, Alpha is not mean. It's not mean. It's very nice. But it's, you will feel how hard it is when people are just wrestling, and it's like, I don't believe that, and the Bible's like every other book I have at home. And, I, and you're like, no, it's not. Oh, no. So just tone it down. Just listen. Tell me why you think that. Tell me why you struggle with that. Help, help me understand more about why you're wondering about God and His love and whether you're doubting that. God has placed people in your life and in my life over the years, over these months, that maybe just need someone to share, an invitation to come to Alpha. To just come for a few weeks, have coffee, chat, watch a video, people like that's so cool. We are living in an epidemic of loneliness, We can walk around to random houses and just invite someone for a coffee. They'd be like, oh, my goodness, I haven't talked to someone forever. I'll come to anything if we can just create a space for teaching and not just telling. This past week, I had this painful moment where somebody that I care about, who uh, they struggle with Christianity, they struggle with God, they struggle with all those things. They sent me this picture. And this picture was of a a, a wrestler, a UFC fighter, you'll see the image, who walked into the fight that he had last week with a Bible in his hand, holding the Bible out and yelling freedom when he went in. Okay, he won, so that's a good thing, so it kind of doesn't confuse much of that. But I'm like, if he loses, this is going to be a rough one, I'll work that one out. But but somebody who sent this to me said, this is why I'm never going to be a Christian. For them, this image represents something that has hurt them so deeply about Christianity being about telling people and yelling about what we believe and making sure nobody gets to ask questions. And you know what? I I don't know this gentleman, so I want to just defend him. You know, like the sincerity of someone's heart to say, I love God and I love the Bible and I want to just share that. But we are called to be a church in a culture, in a secular culture that would see this as very confusing. And we're going to need values in our church and in our hearts To even appreciate this, and I'm like, that's amazing, bro. You know, like sometimes I want to do this in my own life. You know, you watch a movie and you're like, so excited. You ever watch like an amazing movie and it's so good that you're like, you know what? I'm gonna be an astronaut. You ever like, I watch like one of those movies and I'm and I'm like, I failed math. I'm gonna be an astronaut for one hour in my head. You're you're just so excited and you're like, I'm not. I can't do that. I can't do. I think this happens to all of us. We're excited. We're passionate, but we're like, this is gonna confuse a lot of people if we do this. What does it mean to have a heart? That's like, will this help teaching or will it just about telling? What, what will happen here? I want to show you this because we live in a time where many people are hearing so many messages. Your kids, my kids, our grandchildren, our friends are hearing so many messages from culture that says, oh, this is what churches do. This is what they've done. This is what they're going to keep doing. Stay away from all that. All this religion stuff is nonsense. And we're going to need values like the values we're talking about to say We're going to model something different now and it's going to be hard and it's going to be so much easier if we could just tell people everything and no listening, no paying attention, no wrestling, no awkwardness. But we're not going to do that. We're going to model something else. We're going to create room to just say, I remember when I didn't believe that. I remember when I had that question. I remember when I struggled with that. That's a good question. That's a good question. You see, all of a sudden, it kind of creates a room that's like safe for people to say, I never thought I could talk to anyone about this teaching, not just telling. It's an important thing that the Bible invites us to learn when we see even how God acts with us. I want to show you, and just just as we kind of change directions a bit, I just want to show you this, because in the Bible, so many times, and if we had time, I could show you many more, I just want to show you three very simple examples of not only what it means that we as those who love Jesus, as those who maybe are more advanced in what we believe, can learn to teach and can learn to walk with somebody as they're learning or as they're asking questions. But the Bible shows us a God who knows everything, who listens to us. You maybe never thought about Christianity in this way, but when you read the Bible and when you learn about Jesus, there's something about the way God, this loving, gracious God interacts with us, is that He asks us questions to listen to us when He already knows the answers. This is mind-blowing. Like, if I was God with all the answers, I'd be telling everyone everything. Adam, you should name the animals, but this is what they already are, because I know. That's how I would do it. Right? Instead, Adam... You should name the animals. Picture, God sitting down. So what do you think that one's going to be? Knowing everything about what Adam's going to say? Why does the Bible do this? The Bible wants us to know that God is so gracious and loving and caring that he, he does things to model this posture of just being among us and with us, helping us because that's how we learn. God is teaching us something. He's not teaching himself anything. He's teaching us something. So look at these three passages in the Bible and you can read them all because they're they're wonderful to read. If you were in our home groups, we would do this. But just to give you an example, they just gave you three different passages that, that have different questions. And my prayer is that you would see yourself maybe in one of these. This is the first one. The beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve, just disobedience creates cosmic chaos. We have not even a right word for it. And God comes... In the garden, and you read about this, it's so beautiful. And then God called to man, Adam, and he says, where, where are you? What tone is God using in your head when you hear God asking that question? You think God's yelling? You think God's like flipping things and burning things, man, where are you? That's how I do it at my house, that's my style. God's like, where are you? Does God know where Adam is? Of course he knows. But he asks a question. Where are you? It's one of those beautiful moments where God listens and Adam needs to hear himself say that something has happened that has caused grave disobedience, grave mistrust. You think about your own life, maybe you're right there at that point, that if God were to ask you a question, He'd say that to you. He'd say something like, what have you done with your finances? What have you done in your marriage? What have you done in secret that you think nobody knows? What have you done? He would ask you that question. And God asks those questions in our hearts and in our minds to draw us to to confess and to be like, this is a mess. And, And if you read the beginning of the Bible, you see how God is already unraveling how he's going to begin to redeem the mess that we have made. First question. Second question is Jesus. He's with his disciples. And I love this passage in the Bible. He's with his disciples and he's beginning his ministry. And as he's teaching, he's going around. And you know what Jesus knows? Jesus knows a lot of people had a lot of opinions about Jesus. They didn't have social media, but they had opinions, let me tell you. And so Jesus will ask his disciples. He'll say this. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, hey, hey, guys, guys, whoa, let's slow it down. Who do people on the streets, who do they say the Son of Man is? Son of Man is a title that is a title for who Jesus is. And they'll say this to him. Jesus will say this to them. Hey, what are people saying about me? What are the things you hear at work, online, at an office party, at a Christmas party, at a fall fun fest? What are things that you hear people saying about me? Jesus probably knows. He's heard the things. But he wants his disciples to be those who are listening to the questions that people have because they're the ones who are going to have to teach people about what it means to say yes to Jesus. And in that moment, there's, a, there's kind of a, a, a moment, kind of a d- doubts, and they're wondering, and they're like, people are, some people think you're a prophet, and some people think you're this, and some people think you're that. And then Jesus is going to go a bit deeper with them. Some of you know, he's going to ask them another question. We don't have time to go into it, but guess what? You could read it. The last one. Probably one of my favorites. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He's alive, and everything he said had come to pass. And his disciples, some of them are like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure, his body wasn't there. This is a story that you usually only learn about at Easter time. And if you show up at your for Easter, you'll be like, I don't even know this, I don't know. But it's so beautiful, because Jesus comes asking questions. He comes to two of his disciples who've left Jerusalem, and they're going home. And they're discouraged, and they're like, we spent so many years following this Jesus guy, and he's dead. Like, what a waste of our life and our time. Like Nobody's going like, to believe us. Our wives are going to kill us. Like this is. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe we listened to that guy. But Jesus is alive, and they don't know it yet. And as they're walking home, Jesus shows up to walk with them. And the Bible tells us that as Jesus shows up to walk with them, they don't recognize it's Jesus yet. And this is what we're told in, the, in that passage. You'll see it on the screen. It says this. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing as you guys are walking? Like, what's going on? And they stood still with their faces downcast, like discouraged and just overwhelmed. And if you read the passage, they turn to Jesus, which they don't know is Jesus, and they're like, dude, where have you been? They don't say dude, but okay, but it would be cool. Uh, They're like, where have you been these past few days? Like, you don't know what happened in Jerusalem to the guy? Like, they crucified? And Jesus, his response is, like, tell me more. What happened? Can you imagine? The beauty of a Jesus who comes and invites them to keep talking about the thing they feel they've lost hope in and they've given their lives to. Jesus says, just share more. Tell me when he walks with them. Which one represents where you're at? Maybe for you, it's the first one. The struggle of just maybe disobedience and frustration and anger and decisions that you're like, man, that decision, it was not good and I'm paying for it. Jesus would say, sin doesn't get the final word in this story. There's forgiveness if you come and confess and admit some of these things. Or maybe for you it's doubting, like just the doubts of questions of our culture, what people are saying, what people are not saying, what I wish my kids would believe, what they don't believe. Maybe you're there and Jesus has a question. What are people saying around you? That he had a way of entering the doubts and the concerns that people had. Or maybe for you, you feel the last one. You are discouraged and sad and tired. Maybe you're watching online and you're so discouraged, you're like, I-, I can't even visit a church. I haven't been in church for years, and going to church makes me nervous. We understand that. Maybe that's you. And, you know, I want to let you know that Jesus has a question for you. It's a similar question. Tell me what happened. Come again and maybe begin to write and pray and just think about what's going on. Because when that begins to happen, what you do is you create this space for hearing how teaching can happen rather than just telling people. And I know this. I've, I've struggled with this in my own life. The minute, you know, if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. She's going to tell you. This is it. The people say stuff and, you know, they oh, we made a mistake and, and, and in my heart I'm like, I just want to say, I told you so. Do you ever want to do that? You just want to say, like, I told you so. If you would have listened to me, this would have never happened. Why does Jesus never do that? I wish he did so I could feel justified in doing it, but he doesn't do that. He just creates space because he knows and he creates room for us to come. What does it mean to be a church that models this, that creates space for people to know I kind of am learning here and it's safe to ask questions and I don't feel kind of the pressure of like someone's going to yell at me or if I'm not sure. And again, people have had different experiences with this throughout their life. But if you're here at the 180 and you're part of this community, I want you to know this is going to be such an important value for us as we continue to grow and as we continue to make room for the next generation. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and I'm going to invite you in a few minutes to come to this table, a table where Jesus is going to not ask a lot of questions but stir a lot of questions. The disciples are going to be like, whoa, whoa, just stop right now. Like, what are you talking about? This table, this meal is about you? That's not how this works, Jesus. Jesus. I want you to think about what it's going to mean for us to be a church that begins to trust God's, in God and His strength for us to be the people who practice this value. When Jesus had this meal with His disciples, different writers in the Bible give us different accounts of this meal in different ways so that we can see it from different perspectives. And one writer, his name is John, from John's Gospel, gives us probably like the longest part of the meal And it's actually called, uh, it's it's sometimes called like John's discourse or John's upper room discourse. So you can see Jesus for a little while, for a long time, just talking to his disciples. And they would have kind of just lounged around the table, not seated around the table, because they didn't have tables and chairs the way we do in the Bible. But but Jesus would have began just teaching them and preparing them. And at one point, he begins to say something to them that is so important for what it means for understanding this value. He says, when I go, even though you don't understand that yet, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a helper, and he's the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. And he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. That this Holy Spirit comes, not just as a teller, not just as a convictor, not just in all of those ways, but to teach us and to teach the disciples. I really believe that one of the most beautiful things we can give the next generation is a picture of what it means to be those who are spirit-filled because we listen in a way that they've never experienced listening. That we listen in a way that's not anxious or confrontational or ready to, to start an argument, but we listen with this peace that the Holy Spirit gives. Because if we are people who the Holy Spirit is regularly teaching us still now, should we not be those who are modeling that other people can come and that we can teach them the way we're learning? This week, I got this encouraging email from one of our young adults. It was a rough week and I was just scrambling and she sent me this email. She said, Pastor Dom, I was just in one of my university classes and we just learned about a philosophy called Stoicism. And you talked about it at our church last week. And she had another class and they talked about something else you talked about two weeks before, week one. And she's like, it means so much to be part of a church where I'm hearing stuff in university but I'm also hearing about it in church. And I realized that's that value. That we're teaching and we're creating room that even the next generation will hear things and not step into the world and be confused and overwhelmed and be like we don't know we never learned that we just were in a place where people told us what to do we're not going to do that we're going to model something else now does that mean there's not times where we teach with a bit of force or maybe the Bible talks about discipline it talks about correction all those things are real but the space that we want to create is the space that we ourselves are learning as the Holy Spirit teaches us. One of the things the Holy Spirit will teach the disciples is he will teach the disciples and teach us to remember what Jesus did during this meal. And in a few minutes, we're going to gather and we're going to do what the Holy Spirit has reminded us to do. If you're a Christian, you're watching online and you're kind of maybe minimized the sacred meal that this is. You may be like, ah, you know, communion, whatever. It's kind of an old ritual. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to remind us and to teach us what Jesus called us to do. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't think that this is important. So maybe for you, this morning, God is just calling you to just surrender a new way. Maybe to be set free from some of the concerns you've had but to be filled and to be aware that the Spirit has things to teach you still now. We're going to sing this song and then Pastor Michael's going to come up and begin to prepare us for communion. But as we sing this song, you can stand. Just pay attention to maybe how God has been speaking to you before we come to the communion table together.
1: Thrones and the minions, all powers and positions, your Take communion together at the table. You can have a seat for a moment, but whenever we come to the table, we celebrate not only Jesus's death and resurrection, but that because Jesus is live and present with us today, He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to teach us. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, and so when we come to the table, we're those who are committed to listening to what the Holy Spirit is now teaching us, that He's always teaching us something new and that He's always pointing us to the new things that Jesus is calling us to, the unique things that He's calling us to even in this season. And so we want to trust that as we come to the table. We also just want to trust in how the Holy Spirit is wanting to nourish us and provide for us as we think about what it means to be shaped as those who then go out into the world to talk to our neighbors, to talk to those in our workplace and to just listen for how God is at work and how we can participate in what he's doing in other people's lives. And so just uh, as we prepare to come up, a couple instructions, uh, if, especially if you're new here, we're going to just invite you to come up in a couple lines and receive the bread from Pastor Dom and from myself. Uh, we have a gluten-free option here as well, uh, wine or juice. And so you can come up, sit back down, and uh, just actually just hold on to those things, sit and wait, and Pastor Dom's going to lead us through communion time together. Uh, and just a special note, if you're new, maybe if this is just all new to you, you don't really understand what's happening, you're still kind of learning about Jesus, you haven't kind of, you're not ready to say yes to Jesus, we just really encourage you, uh, you don't have to come up, just to sit back down and just to recognize what's really important for us, that you know this is a safe place for you in your questions, in your doubt, in not understanding to just, to just recognize that you can kind of just learn by observing this time and being with us and that we're so happy you're here doing that with us. Uh, but just for those who are ready to come up, when you do sit back down, it's Pastor i sure, I just want to encourage you to use that time to recognize God is making, maybe making this a safe place for you right now, to listen for him, to listen for his voice, to just pay attention to what does it mean in this season to be open, God, to the new things that you want to teach me now, to be open, to listen for your voice, and maybe the, the new things that you need to shape in me, maybe to surrender the things that are getting in the way from you teaching me something new you teaching me the way that you want me to model something new to those around me. So we just encourage you to do that and to just use this time and pay attention to how God's speaking. And so just as we move to communion now, we invite you up to the table. Um, just come as you feel led and we'll, uh, we'll direct you.
0: Uh, maybe close your eyes and take a minute you might not get this the rest of this week Jesus has a question for you do you believe that what he did on the cross and the resurrection is enough for you maybe for some of you Jesus is asking you do you believe that I love you even in your pain, do you believe that I love you? If he's asking you, do you believe that I have what you need now? And you can open your eyes and think about that night with the disciples around the table, this meal. Jesus will break the bread, and they're all waiting to hear it. When Moses set the people free out of Egypt, God demonstrated his power, and on that night, that's not what they would hear. They would have heard maybe a bit about Moses, but then Jesus would have said something they'd never heard in a way they could have never imagined, that from now on, this meal, this Passover meal, is going to be remembered as a meal about me my love for you. I would have had so many questions. I would have felt nervous and anxious and confused. My way, I don't think we can do that, Jesus. I don't think we just changed this. Jesus like it's about to change, and your life is about to change forever. You see it on the screen that on that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup together. In a minute, I'm going to dismiss us and I'm going to remind you that for thousands of years, the Holy Spirit is still reminding us of what Jesus has done for us so that we can live in this world as people who not only have the peace that the Holy Spirit gives us, but have an attitude towards the world that creates room for them to ask questions and for us to model what it's like to teach rather than to tell. And maybe God is going to open up some new conversations for you and your loved ones, someone that you know, Would you listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in that moment? Be sensitive to how he might ask you to say something or do something. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray. If you came here this morning or maybe you're online and you have a question or you want to talk to someone, we want to let you know if you're here in this room, we have wonderful people in our prayer space that are here to help or to talk or to just pray in a confidential way if you'd like that. Maybe you're just not even sure what you believe and you came carrying some serious concerns. We, we hate for you to leave and not be able to pray with someone this morning. Let me pray for us before we let you go. Jesus, thank you for the gift of the cross and the resurrection. Thank you that before the cross, you were asking questions and after the cross, you were asking questions. Creating room and space for us to be honest with you, a God who loves us and already knows the answers. You're still creating space for us now to make room for others who don't believe in you yet. Would you help us to be your church for this time? Would you help us to practice your way of life in a way that would draw other people to say yes to you, Jesus? I pray that as we leave here this morning, we would go in the power of the Spirit who reminds us of everything you said so that we would obey you. May you give us the peace and the strength the encouragement and the joy that we will need this week to be your people in this world. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we love you all. God bless. We'll see you soon. Sign up, Home Groups, Alpha, lots of options. Love you. See you soon.